So, <laughs> the text for this morning is Mark 16. It's on page 1011 in your pew Bible. In a kind of weird way, I'll follow it very closely. Um, but I want you to notice, if you're looking, at the end of verse uh, 8 in Mark 16, in all Bibles, in our pew Bible, there's a little line, and it should be some kind of indication that the uh, most ancient texts end with Mark 8. Uh, and so the, the gospel according to Mark ends with women leaving with fear and trembling. That probably didn't feel right to a later scribe who added kind of a happier ending because we should be happy at Easter. But maybe Mark himself added that. But probably the most, definitely the most ancient texts end with Mark 8. So I want you to hear the word of God. And again, you may want to follow along. I'll follow it in a kind of twisted way fairly closely. This is the word of God. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man, dressed in white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him, but go, tell the disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So remember, on Easter, of all the Sundays of the year, there's a little more audience participation going on, right? A little congregational response. So he is risen, right? You shout that. We practiced already. So uh, he's risen indeed. Christ is risen. We've we got to practice that, a little more emphatic, right? And, and so we'll have some opportunity. Now, I've got to be kind of honest at the onset here. Easter, Easter morning, uh, the pressure is kind of on preachers. You, you all understand that, right? I mean, I can be honest, right? I'm not, ins I won't, if I insult people, pff, who cares? Um, so the reality is some of y'all show up, you know, when the flowers show up, right? And, uh, and, you know, you might come around Christmas time and such. So, so the pressure's kind of on, you know, and, uh, and kind of make it good, come on back. But as I'm reading this text, and as I'm praying through the text, uh, the Gospel of Mark, it's, it, it comes to me that there's something very peculiar about this text. And that as I'm reading the text, basically this first post-resurrection church, this first post-resurrection congregation, who is Mary, Mary, and Salome. So they're the first ones to really get what's going on. They're doing pretty much everything wrong. And, and so I want to identify some of those things, and the real name of today's sermon, so 
Don't look in the bulletin because I had to title that on Monday and you know I rewrote it about 10,000 times from Monday. Pressure's on. So the real name of today's sermon is 10 Reasons for Not Coming to Church. Okay? 10 Reasons for Now. This isn't even one of the reasons, but it's a reason. 10 reasons. That means this is a 10-point sermon. Do you understand how long this is going to be? Your ham is going to be all shriveled up by the time you get out of here, you know? So, so here we go. 10 reasons for not coming to church. Reason number one for not coming to the church. The church, the first resurrection, post-resurrection church, Mary, Mary, and Salome, but the larger church, the church is cruel and hypocritical. Now, let's take a look. The text says it's early on the first day of the week. So it's Sunday morning. Why are the women, Mary, Mary, and Salome, why are they going to anoint the body on Sunday, the first day of the week? They're going there because it's not Sabbath. Sabbath is, of course, Jewish holiday, Saturday. So heaven forbid you should touch a dead body on Sabbath. So they wait till Sunday. And by the way, why did they crucify Jesus? Why did the church leaders, the, the, the temple leaders, why did they crucify him on Friday? Because they couldn't crucify him, they couldn't kill him on Saturday. That was Sabbath. So, to keep our hands clean, you know, we'll kill him on Friday. And to keep our hands clean, we'll anoint the body, not on Sabbath, heaven forbid we should do anything like that on Sabbath, we'll wait till the first day of the week. Now, how cruel and hypocritical can you get? So, reason number one for not coming to church is that the church so often is cruel and hypocritical, but Christ is risen despite the hypocrisy of the church. Reason number two for not coming to church. The leaders don't lead very well. So who's coming to anoint the body? You gotta anoint the body. I mean, that's just what you do. So who's coming to anoint the body? Mary, Mary, and Salome. Who are these women? Where's Peter? Where's James? Where's John? Where's Andrew? Where's Matthew? Where's Philip? And if you want to look at women, where is Martha? Right? I mean, Martha's always running around doing with cookies and all that kind of stuff. Why isn't Martha coming? So the leaders don't seem to be leading very well. They're leading it, leaving it to somebody else. Should I apply that? How it is that in the modern church, modern leadership in the church is kind of inadequate? Can I just leave it right there? So reason number two not to come to church is that the church leadership doesn't lead very well, but Christ is risen despite the inadequacy of the church leadership. Reason number three, you're supposed to be happy on Easter, right? I mean, that's what it's all about, all yellow and happy, little chickens and such. I want to suggest on the first Easter Sunday, the first post-resurrection congregation, Mary, Mary, and Salome, as they're going to church, they are numb. They are numb as they're going to the tomb. Now, why are they numb? Well, think about all that's happened for them and to them over this last week. Um, Palm Sunday, last Sunday, it's all happy, you know, people taking sticks and waving them in the air, people shouting stuff. It's always fun to shout stuff. Uh, Thursday, it's just confusing. Jesus is taking bread and saying, this is my body, eat it. This is my blood, drink it. What does that mean? Friday, it's like horrifying. They're watching 
their Lord being tortured and then crucified. Saturday, they're just angry. I mean, where was Peter and all that? Where is Judas, by the way? And now it's, it's Sunday, and, and they're just numb. And, and you know how it is? It's early in the morning. They go to the tomb. It's early in the morning. But you know how it is when you're numb? Time just gets all kind of fuzzy, just kind of all runs into each other. And by the way, when you're numb like that, I want to suggest there's a, a certain amount of courage that comes from not caring anymore. And so I'm imagining the three women are walking to the tomb, and, and they're saying to each other, like, who's going to move the stone? I don't care. Somebody's going to move this. Well, what happens if there's guards there? I don't care. I just don't care anymore. Well, what if the guards accuse us? Because I don't care. Do, do you know that feeling? That kind of numbness? You, you don't care anymore? And yet, Christ is risen, despite how numb the church might feel. Reason number four. The church seems to be continually out of touch, and all they think about is death. And so we have three women, first post-resurrection congregation, three women going to, the, to church, going to see Jesus, and, and they got anointing oil because all they're thinking about is death, but Jesus isn't dead, he's already been raised. And yet they're emotionally and spiritually behind. I'm back in high school. I have a certain uh, high school reunion coming up. It's number, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so on, on my certain high school reunion coming up this sum summer, it's a zero at the end of it. Um, we got this Facebook page, you know, and everybody's chatting, and I'm thinking about all these memories in high school. High school, I think, is a horrible thing. <laughs> and uh, maybe that says more about me than high school, but. So I'm in high school, and I'm back in high school, and I'm sitting in the cafeteria. And at the cafeteria, over there, there are all the pretty girls. And right next to them, all the popular guys, and the pretty girls and the popular guys are, are all kind of flirting with each other, you know? You remember that? And, and I'm not being bullied. I was really never bullied. But I'm being utterly and completely ignored. And I'm thinking, I'm such a loser. And then I go to math class, and my math teacher is like really old, like 40 or something, and, <laughs> and, and she's t saying stuff, you know, and, and, and whatever she's saying, I'm not there because I'm still back in the cafeteria. And, and in fact, psychologists and psychiatrists and anybody who deals with any kind of spirituality reminds us that most of us, all of us, all of the time, are, are back in the cafeteria. We're not really present. We're not really where we are. We're back there someplace. And so we understand how it is that this first post-resurrection congregation, Mary, Mary, and Salome, they're not there. They're back on Friday. But even if the church is emotionally and spiritually out of touch, Christ is risen. Despite how out of touch we are. Reason number five. The church and the church people don't seem to get what they're asking for. So think about it. It's Thursday, 
And, and Jesus is taking bread and saying, this is my body, eat it. What is he talking about? What you're asking for is, in prayer is some clarification, but I'm not getting it. Friday, what are you asking for? Friday, I'm asking that my Lord be delivered from this death, but he's not delivered. Saturday, I'm like, I'm praying for a boat ticket so I can go on some, some tropical island in the Mediterranean, just get out of here, I'm just tired of this. Have you been there? I just want to escape. Sunday, I don't know what I'm asking for anymore. It's just crazy. But what do you get? You don't even see Jesus. What you get is signs. You get a, a stone that's moved, an empty tomb. But maybe sometimes we get more than we ask for. Because Christ is risen. Is Despite what you're asking for. Reason number six. Are you still with me? This is my favorite one. I hope you pay attention to this one. Are you? Okay, thanks. Reason number six, why not to come to church? Because the preaching normally is nonsense. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> I do. Okay, here's what's going on. So the women, the first post-resurrection church, Mary, Mary, and Salome, they get to the tomb. Tomb is open. Nothing's in the tomb, except there's this angel preacher sitting on the slab where the body should be. And the angel preacher... So this is, the, this is the first post-resurrection sermon preached, according to Mark. And this is the sermon. First, the angel says, don't be alarmed. <laughs> don't be alarmed. Aren't you supposed to do some empathy? I feel your pain. That kind of thing. Don't be alarmed. And then, to make it more nonsensical and out of touch, like sermons usually are, don't be alarmed. He says, and this could be a question, you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, or you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth? Well, duh. <laughs> you know, why do you think we're here? And then, because preachers like to say the obvious, the first post-resurrection sermon, he says, he's not here. <laughs> well, double duh. We got that figured out. So, number six. Sermons are mostly nonsense and speaking the obvious. But Christ is risen, he is risen despite what nonsense the sermons are. Reason number seven, the church asks for too much. Have you heard that one before? The church asks, if you're always asking for, now listen to this, listen to this. I'm being literal on this. So the women, Mary, Mary, and Salome, they go to the tomb. They're living, or at least they're staying in Jerusalem. They go to the tomb, which is in Jerusalem, or at least on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And what does the angel tell them? The angel preacher says, go to Galilee. Galilee is two days' walk away. You mean I come to Easter morning service, which is a half an hour from my house, and you're telling me to change the entire direction of my life? <laughs> yep. Christ is risen. And maybe we should change direction. Reason number eight. There's too much to remember. There's just too much to remember. So the angel preacher sitting on the slab says, go to Galilee, and it is just as Jesus told you. What did he tell us? What, he's a preacher. I mean, he's been talking for the last three years. How can we remember all that stuff? What did he tell us? What, okay. And, and what, is, what do we pay attention to? So like on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are the poor. He wasn't serious about that, was he? 
Couldn't have been. That's like hyperbole, which is like exaggeration for effect. Or uh, blessed are the peacemakers. Could he be literal about that? I don't know. And then he gives all these parables, which uh, they're allegory or, or metaphor, something like the parable where the farmer takes a seed and he throws some on the, on the path and he throws some on the weeds and he throws... I mean, what kind of farmer does that? That can't be literal. That has to be some kind... So what... It, and then... Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What did he say? What did he say at least five, maybe six times? He said... I shall suffer many things at the hands of those I love, and I shall be crucified, and I shall be raised again on the third day. You mean that was literal? He's asking us to remember too much. But Christ is risen, despite how much we're asked to remember. And number nine, you still with me? We only got two more left, so hang on. Number nine, the first the first act of the post-resurrection church is an act of utter disobedience. Listen. The angel preacher who's sitting on the slab says, go. And tell the disciples, and by the way, would you tell Peter? <laughs> go tell the disciples and Peter, go tell them what I just told you. And the women go, and they say not a word. Utter disobedience. But Christ is risen, despite the disobedience of the church. And finally, reason number 10 for not coming to the church, because the women, that first post-resurrection congregation, Mary, Mary, and Salome, they leave filled with fear and trembling. Is that why we come to Easter morning service? Don't we want to be happy? Isn't that why we come to church? To be self-affirmed? To remember that I'm really such a good person and I want to feel happy and yellow and bright? And yet the first post-resurrection church, they leave that worship fear and trembling. But maybe, maybe, when we really come to understand the power of Christ's rising, Maybe before happy, there's some fear and trembling because everything is turned upside down. You see, Christ is risen. And maybe when we come to really, really understand that, the reality, the truth, this is not metaphor, this is not allegory, this is reality, that he is risen from the dead, Maybe, just maybe, he deserves our praise and adoration more than simply twice a year. Maybe. Christ is risen. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that even if our expectations are not what are met, you, you meet us with exceeding abundance more than we could ever imagine. For you have raised your only Son, our Lord, Jesus, from the dead, to live forever and to live in us. Lord, our hearts are open that we might receive the resurrected Spirit of thy Son into our lives with fear and trembling. In thy name, amen.